I'm Trish. And I'm Thaddeus, and you're listening to the Fallen Short Podcast. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. That's from Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28. I was reading out of the New Living Translation. So on this episode of the Fallen Short podcast, we are going to talk about communion. I know we kind of, on the last episode prefaced it a little bit and kind of said maybe that's what we'll go with and well that's what we're going with so we're gonna talk a little bit about communion what it is maybe what it to us individually what it means and and how we feel and we might not agree on everything either between Trish and I but how each of us feel about it and and what it really is to get a good grasp on why communion is something we practice you look you need to go back in exodus and look at the story of god telling moses that he was going to send judgment on to the egyptians and basically telling them like a command that you know this is what you need to do you need to sacrifice your lamb your lamb has to meet these qualifications and then when you sacrifice that lamb and it's met those qualifications, which was things like, you know, no blemish, without spot, without blemish, male, young, all these different things. Then what God told Moses to do was to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorposts of the house. And then as the judgment of God swept through Egypt, God would pass over the houses that had the blood on the doorpost and they wouldn't be judged. And the judgment was that the firstborn son would die. So when the Passover lamb was put on the doors, when the, the blood of the lamb was put on the doors, the God would pass over his judgment. And that's kind of like the Old Testament representation of what Passover is. And Passover was, you know, part of the, the children of Israel the Hebrews getting out of Egypt and it was the process of their freedom and what it looked like to get out of there. So when Jesus was at the last supper, what Thaddeus just read was Passover and it was a celebration of it. And Jesus came to be our Passover lamb. So he came to be the one instead of us having to put blood on our doorposts and doing all these different things to sacrifice for our sins and atone for our sins. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And so it's taking the Old Testament and you can see what what happened historically and how Jesus came in and met that need. And Christ then became our Passover lamb. Yeah, and like Trish said, what I read out of there, even the the header of the section, is it's labeled as the Last Supper and it starts in verse 17 where it's talking, you know, it's the preface that it was the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, you know, and it was the disciples coming to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? Right. And so that's where it kind of begins. And then when they're together, that's when he breaks the bread and pours the cup. Right. And John the Baptist says, you know, he prophetically announces when he sees Jesus, he says, 
the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He calls him out to be the lamb of God. He calls him out to be the Passover lamb. Paul also wrote that Christ was our Passover lamb and he was sacrificed for us. And Peter, he called Jesus the lamb without blemish or spot. And so we see how Jesus became the the sacrifice for our sins. And then when we have communion with Thaddeus Red, is we're remembering that Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for our sins. So I would say communion is a threefold process. It's a remembering process. It's looking back at the past, seeing what Jesus has done for us with deep praise, appreciation for all that he did for us on the cross, that he he was a lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. Then it brings it into the present where we are now, when we're taking communion, we are empowered through his grace to do wonderful things. We are, it brings us to a place of recommitting ourselves before God and brings us to a place of examination of ourselves and repentance for the sins we have. And then also when we take communion, it, the third step of the process is it gives us a future anticipation. It's a proclaiming the coming of Jesus again. And so communion is a threefold process. I would say most church history would agree with that. Communion throughout church history has been kind of a divided subject. Obviously, we know there's different denominations. There are some practices of faith that believe that the communion has so much power in it that it actually becomes the body of Christ and it actually becomes the blood of Christ. And when they are taking communion, they're actually taking the blood and body of Christ. And then there's a whole nother side of it where it is simply a symbol. Like it's just a symbolic thing. There's no power in it. Christ is not present in it. So you have the two very extreme um, views of it on the spectrum of communion. And I would say I kind of land somewhere in the middle of it where I do believe that well, I believe God is omnipresent. I believe he is always with us. And so I believe in those moments that we are taking communion, that he is with us. There's power in those moments that it is a symbolic thing that represents what Christ did for us on the cross. I believe that, but I also believe that there's so much power in it too. And I would, I would argue to say that some of the times I've felt the presence of God's strongest have been at communion. But you don't believe it's literally Jesus's body and blood. No. And I, I don't believe that, but I'm not going to limit God. I obviously am not writing. I'm not a writing doctrine or anything like that, but I don't believe it's actually Jesus's body and blood. Do you? No, I, I I didn't know. I very much am on the, the side of things that it's, it's a symbolic thing. I, I believe when reading the scripture and reading how Jesus said, this is my body, you know, and he breaks it. And like, he's literally like just giving a sermon illustration, you know, like think of it even like we, you know, think of the, the, the Bible, right. And reading the Bible and it's like our daily bread, right? Like it's not physically, we're not physically eating it. Right. But we're consuming it, you know, and, and putting it into our lives. And I think, it's very much a symbolic thing where, you know, some churches practice it weekly, 
I mean, there's churches that practice it monthly, quarterly, whatever. Maybe they only do it on special occasions like Easter, Christmas. You know, there's there's all sorts of different things, right? And it doesn't always have to just be in church either, right? It could be a communion where where with you and God, right? In in my personal you know belief, right? And I agree with you that it is a time where there is power in it, and there is where you essentially to me it's like you shouldn't be taking it if you're not examining yourself ahead of time so if you're not in a good place with god you're not you know you're just all over the place and you go to church and it's like oh we're doing communion and you just do it because it's communion right i mean there should be no shame in not taking it right if if you're not right and you don't feel like you should take it there should be no shame in in not taking it so that was a good you know you set me up nicely but there was about a year in my life in my adult life where I felt like God or the Holy Spirit was prompting me that I wasn't in a healthy place to take communion so I didn't for almost a full year take communion because there was a lot of inner healing and inner working and unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart and I wasn't right with fellow believers. I didn't feel like I'd processed through forgiveness enough. I didn't feel like I'd, um, yeah, like I was just in a healthy spot. I was still trying to work out my salvation with fear and trembling too. And I, I felt like it would be disingenuine to what I was working through. If I would take communion, I felt like it would be almost a dishonor to the, the sacrament, the practice of communion, because I was really struggling with what I believed in what I felt and even my own forgiveness. I was struggling with that too. So yeah, it, it says in first Corinthians 11, starting in verse 27. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Like, it's, I do believe like you need to examine, like I said, examine yourselves and be right in that right with God and right with, you know, yourself, your relationship, where you're at to partake. Right. And not just willy nilly, you know, Oh, it's, it's communion Sunday at church. So I, I, all right, they're, they're passing it or everyone's going to get it. You know, there's different practices, right. And just like there's different practices and how often churches do it, you know, um, and it's not just a, I'm going to, I'm going to do it because everyone else is doing it. Even though I'm completely like not on board, you know, like if you're struggling in your faith or whatever, it's not, I don't believe communion is a thing where it's, um, Oh, I do this. And, and now my faith is restored. It's that's, not what it's for to me it's a it's a it yes it's remembering what christ did for us but if you're not in that spot with god where you're even thankful of what he did for you why would you be eating and drinking right yeah and it's interesting um when you read just before what you read in first corinthians 11 it talks about the conduct of the lord's supper and it talks about how there's divisions in the body of christ and fractions among you and all these different words that are used that are saying basically the body of Christ is not in unison. The body of Christ is not communing together because communion would mean like 
coming together, being as one together, because when we partake in communion, we are coming together as a body of Christ and we are coming together with God and we're partaking in communion. But when we have fractions among us, when we have divisions among us, when we are divided as a body of Christ, this is what Paul writes about that in first Corinthians 11 as a warning to us that, you know, that's, we shouldn't be taking communion if we are at, he was writing, well, I'm sorry, he's not writing to us. He was writing to the church of Corinth, if to be more clear on that, he was writing to the church of Corinth, talking about their conduct and how, how they're so divided and they're, they have fractions and that they shouldn't be partaking in communion with that operating in their fellowship. So they needed to come to a place of, of communing together. Cause it says, you know, like, one would take communion before the other and somebody was drunk on it because they were getting it so early. I mean, it just kind of goes into this whole story of it. Right. Which, again, in the way we do it, at least in, you know, American churches, right? Yes, there's differences in, from church to church, denomination to denomination of like the actual practice of it and how it's gone about. And most of the services I've ever been to have all used like grape juice and not wine, right? So it's not like a, you know, oh, it's communion Sunday. I'm going to, I'm going to go uh, before the service even starts and go find the communion and, and drink all the wine or something, you know, like it's not, that's not how it goes about. And, you know, I've been in services where it's literally been walk up to the altar, you get your bread and you get your juice just from there, right? it's like individualized cups already. I've been to where it's been, no, it's poured out of a cup by a priest into, you know, a cup or whatever. Like I've seen it different ways. I've seen it where it's the prepackaged, you know, little cracker piece with juice in the same unit, right? That you maybe gets passed down your, your uh, row, your pew row, your chair row, whatever, or you go, you know, maybe it's placed in different parts of the uh, sanctuary and you go grab and sometimes it's, okay, we're all going to take it together, which I think when it's done that way, it's probably more in this like thinking about these verses of waiting for each other, you know, sometimes it's take it as you, as you wish, because, you know, hopefully you're examining yourself first. And, and I don't personally think any practice is particularly wrong if you do it by yourself. I, when I was growing up, my dad would often take communion by himself. But I also appreciate the practice of taking it together as a group, you know, as a, as a body of Christ. No, and I think, I think it can be, like we said earlier, I think it can be a powerful moment and not just the symbolic gesture and not like a powerful moment of like, oh, this is now I'm really eating Jesus's body and drinking his blood, like not like that, but like it can be a powerful spiritual moment of I feel closer to God, right? Like it, just in a matter of like actually thinking about it and praying about it before taking it and feeling God's presence. And maybe it's done in like a worship setting, right? Where there's music playing that maybe worship music is designed to kind of tug on heartstrings a little bit, you know? So like if it's done in a way like, you know, that it all kind of goes together and it can be very powerful. Yeah. And here I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but the Bible says in we're sorry, we're, we're diving into first Corinthians 11 because there's just so much good stuff about communion. We, we've referenced other scriptures too, but let's go again. First Corinthians 11, 
um, verse 28, it says, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Thaddeus already read that, but then it goes on to say, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Here's the thing. This is calling us to repentance. Communion is a call to repentance. It's a call to self-examination. It's a call to look through your life to be reflective in this moment. So like I said, it's a three-step process. We're looking back at what Jesus did for us. We're seeing his grace and his mercy all over our life because of what he did on the cross. But then we internalize it and we have a self-examination in a corporate setting at church. We're going to, we're going to go and we're going to internalize what we're going through. And we're going to say, okay, God, where do I need healing? Where do I need to be set free? Where do I need to surrender to you? Where do I need to repent? It's that moment of communion every time that we should have a self-examination. I remember my dad would say, I forgive all men of all things. That would be part of his communal moment of, of making sure he's forgiving. Cause the Bible says, you know, for Christ to forgive us, we're called to forgive others. And so in that moment of communion, when we're remembering our forgiveness, we received, it's also when we should extend forgiveness towards others. It's so that when we judge ourselves, when we examine ourselves, it's so that we would not be judged. It's pouring Christ's blood over our, our hearts. Like I talked about the blood on the doorposts before in Exodus, what they did it's in that moment of communion where we're pouring Jesus's blood over our hearts and our minds and our lives. And we're examining it and we're washing ourselves clean with the blood of Jesus. And we're, you know, we're calling out our sin and we're repenting and we're turning from our wicked ways. But I do think it's interesting. It says that that's why there are, you know, so many people who are sick and dying among you is because communion has been abused because there hasn't been that self-examination. I think that's a really scary part of the scripture, when you think about the power that's in communion, I think about that. I think about how much we misuse and abuse communion and we treat it as a, a ritual. We treat it as a tradition. We treat it as something that we do the first Sunday of every month or the third Sunday of every month or whatever your church practices. We just check it off the box and we, we do our religious due diligence and we say, okay, we did that. We got our communion out of the way. And at the same time as we're doing that, and I've been guilty of this as somebody who's led churches where we're just doing it to do it as out of action rather than out of honoring what, what the Bible actually tells us to call the congregation to do, which is calling them to self-examination. And so I just want to challenge you <laughs> in that place of communion when you are before the Lord and you are ready to partake in the Lord's Supper before you take the bread and the cup to look at your life, examine it, see if there's anything in you that is offensive to God. See if there's anything in you that you need to be washed clean with and then surrender it to him. I will say this though, in the process of communion and the body of Christ being divided, the first ever communion, when the first ever communion was taken and Jesus was on this earth, he knew that in that moment, in that room with him was somebody who would betray him. And Jesus, I have to believe, was already choosing to forgive him. 
And we need to remind ourselves of that. We might not always be able to make people like us. We might not always be able to make things perfect. It doesn't matter what somebody else's choices are. All that matters is our own choices. And so the first ever communion, it wasn't a perfect body. It wasn't a perfect fellowship. But the perfect love of Jesus was there and the perfect grace and mercy and his blood still covered it. And so I know life's not always going to be perfect and I'm not talking like it is. I'm not trying to put that out there, but I'm just saying in that moment of communion, we just come to that place of a self-examination and we can only control what we can control. We can't control other people's decisions. We can't control if somebody won't talk to us or somebody has unforgiveness towards us, but we can control our own motives of our own heart. Again, just as Trish just said a moment ago, the next time you're at a church service or, or whenever, right, and communion's being presented, and maybe the pastor, you know, doesn't necessarily put forth direction in, like, examining yourselves or anything like that. We're, we are right now, right? So if you're listening to this, the day this episode comes out, the two weeks from now, a month from now, maybe a year from now, who knows, right? You stumble across this. We are challenging you to the next time you partake in communion and the time after that and the time after that and so on, that you do examine yourselves and you make sure that you are right with God before you decide to partake. It is something that you should be a believer to do, right? You should have that faith in God and you should be making sure that not only are you confessing your sins and asking for forgiveness, but again, that you aren't holding on to things about others as well. So so remember the death of Christ, examine yourself and proclaim the coming of Jesus. So if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, we'd appreciate it if you'd let us know. You can, you can do that by shooting us a comment directly on our website, fallenshortpodcast.com. You can email us at info at fallenshortpodcast.com or you could send us a message via Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you've enjoyed this, another way you could show it is by sharing it with your friends, whether that's via social media or just directly. Uh, we really do, we say it every every single time but if you also have a prayer request we would love to be praying for you and you can send those to us as well don't know what's on the docket for the next episode quite yet but we probably will still be exploring a little bit more of these kind of foundational things of our faith so if you have enjoyed last week's episode specifically or or this episode uh, please come back and we will continue down this path together so until next time, I'm Thaddeus. And I'm Trish, and we love you guys. Are you currently doing your own podcast, or maybe you're aspiring to start one? If you are, we'd like to encourage you to check out Blueberry Podcasting for all of your hosting needs. We use Blueberry today, and let me tell you, it's it's real slick. Uh, works with our website just fine on a plugin. So if you use our code Fallen Short, you can get your first month free. So you can go ahead and click that affiliate image link on our website and get started with your podcast.